0: Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.
1: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. No matter your line of work, it's hard to replace a legend. Within the past few minutes, Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Queen Elizabeth II ruled for so long, and by most accounts, so well, that it can be hard to imagine a modern ceremony to replace her. It seems like a notion born from a museum video or your grade school history textbook. Yet as Canada woke up Saturday, a new king was crowned.
2: Will you solemnly promise and swear to govern the peoples of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland your other realms and
1: the territories to any of them belonging or pertaining, according to their respective laws and customs.
0: I solemnly promise
1: so to do. Yes, we are still one of those other realms, and we likely will be for quite a long time. So who is our new king? What does Charles III plan to do to make the monarchy his own? And what was it like in London on a day not seen in decades? The day a new king was made. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. On this special edition of The Big Story, I am joined by legendary Canadian journalist, Lisa Laflemme, who spent all week in London covering the coronation for City News. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Jordan. You spent a whole week there leading up to and including the ceremony. What was the mood like?
2: Oh, well, I mean, the last time I was here, and I think the last time I spoke to you, was September for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth, and you could not a more jubilant mood this week compared to the crying in the streets we saw in September. There is a lot of excitement, just not necessarily for the king and the queen, but for the spectacle of it all. And people have been teeming into this city, tourists and people from across the country, just to be part of it and to see history. And today they saw it, albeit through a very, very soggy lens.
1: No kidding. But I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the spectacle um, instead of the king and queen, perhaps. How long has it been since we saw one of these? And just how old and historic is the ceremony that took place today?
2: Well, the ceremony goes back to 1066, including Westminster Abbey. So the two icons of the day, Westminster Abbey and Buckingham Palace. And this was the 40th monarch to be crowned. Uh, But we, I've obviously, never seen one because the last coronation was 1953 the mother of king charles of course uh, queen elizabeth was crowned as a 27 year old and here we are today with a 74 year old man no surprises with prince or with uh, I'm still calling him prince of wales from time to time but king <laughs> charles will get used to it so i think that's why i say it that way because um for the people here there is For half the country, excitement. The other half, a little bit of ambivalence. But for the whole country, there's some patriotism attached to any big, major royal
1: event. I have to ask you, as somebody who is ambivalent myself about the monarchy, uh, watching the ceremony, the choreography was the insane part to me. Like, what kind of preparation goes into an event like this? Every second seemed to be uh, scripted perfectly.
2: You just nailed it, Jordan. I think that's what everybody would feel. I mean, you can't be so incurious not to want to see this kind of history that is a thousand years old, both the the regalia that the king and queen had today as part of the ceremony, the very words that came out of their mouths, the songs that we heard, this is orchestrated to the second. And I think there were some Obviously, new touches, modern touches to try to reflect the Britain and the Commonwealth of today. So diversity and inclusion. But really, it was like watching a play unfold before your eyes. Everybody in their ermine costumes and crowns Mm and, you know, the swords. It really is a, a medieval ceremony. And watching it in the year 2023 is really an experience.
1: What are a couple of the sights or sounds of the event that stood out for you? Because, yeah, you're right. As I watched it, you know, again, not even caring about the king or queen. It was like watching something from another time, even more so than the queen's funeral that we talked to you about before.
2: It really is another time, though. I mean, that's why I find it so fascinating. It's as if including the book, the Bible, the oath. I think that was a, an incredible moment for me to see that book that wasn't touched in 70 years. And, uh, you know, the, the, it only comes out at coronations, the oath, the important wording that um, the Church of England seeks to foster people of all faiths. That was a new moment, I think. We would never have heard that in 1953. There were other moments, I think, um, the sword and the orb and (laughs) all of it, where the the king goes behind the, the, the sort of screens, if you will, and he's almost down to his civvies in a very thin fabric shirt, as if he's giving himself up to the Lord, and then then out come a new set of robes, I mean it really is you have to follow the playbook. I was so lucky to have the great royal historian uh, Helen Carr beside me to help me and our viewers understand exactly what we were watching.
1: You mentioned it, uh, so I'll ask you, what was modernized for this ceremony? What was different?
2: Well, there was multi faith. Certainly, we've never seen that. Uh, rabbis, uh, imams you, every faith was was there in Westminster Abbey today. It was a pared down. Crowd a guest list that is considered modern. The Queen Queen Elizabeth had eight thousand people jammed into the Abbey. Today there were two thousand two hundred. There was royalty from other countries. Um, that has not happened in the past. Does that make it modern? It's hard to say, but that's certainly one of the things this king is suggesting that he is going to somehow modernize the monarchy. It's not lost on them that they're losing. The crowd, if you will, and certainly in Commonwealth nations. So I think that their effort is to be more reflective of the countries that the royal family, the monarchy, represents, and that includes Canada.
1: Well, speaking of that, um, I played a clip in the intro of the oath in which uh, Charles promises to govern not only the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland, but also, quote, all the other realms, and we are one of those. And as you mentioned, uh, Canada itself can be kind of ambivalent about the monarchy. What was our role in this ceremony, either formally or informally?
2: Oh, we had a very formal role as part of the procession, which really is one of the most beautiful things you could see anywhere in the world really when it comes to celebration 7000 armed forces in ceremonial dress and of them were the RCMP contingent and on beautiful horseback and it was a horse just a couple of days ago that was a gifted to King Charles noble which was a 6-year-old horse that one of the parts of the musical ride so there's that we saw prime minister Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie Grégoire Trudeau most importantly Um, The King's representative in Canada, Governor General Mary Simon and Mm -hmm. her husband, Whit Fraser, were there. And we had, which was a very special new addition, certainly representatives of Canada's uh, national Indigenous groups. Uh, Again, that effort to try to reset the relationship, the complicated relationship between the Indigenous and the Crown.
0: Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Tell me
1: about uh, the new king, King Charles III himself. What did he say today? But in the bigger picture, what do we know about what kind of king he might be? I know you spent a good amount of time this week trying to uh, get a bead on that.
2: Yeah, well, I would say that nothing really is going to surprise us. I I feel that way. We've known him for 74 years. We've seen him for decades champion causes at one time, mocked for now, vindicated and celebrated for causes like climate change, agriculture, uh, you know, so many sustainable development. So, We know those are the things he has been focused on while he was Prince of Wales. I don't suggest for a minute those things will become less important to him. If anything, I think we're going to see a bit of a a tag team uh, monarchy here. Prince William will factor in largely from what we understand uh, into the, the issues and causes that the royal family champions going forward um today though i thought it was quite meaningful that he quoted his own mother at her coronation saying i am here not to be served but to serve mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people who don't realize the benevolence of the royal family, certainly the monarchy when it comes to being patrons of charity organizations. And, and I think that is something important to reflect on uh, when, you, when you look at the, the Prince's Trust, for example, which was established by King Charles, has helped over a million young people have a future they may not have had without that organization.
1: You mentioned William. Tell me about the rest of the family. How were they involved? I know leading up to this, I don't want to get into necessarily the gossip that never stops about this family, but there's a <laughs> lot of talk about Harry being there and uh, his falling out with William and, and all that kind of stuff.
2: Well, it was, you know, you, you'd you have to have a blindfold on not to have seen the relationship, non-communication between Harry and his immediate family. Uh, he was there. He sat several rows back with his cousins, uh, the children of Prince Andrew, who was in the same row as Prince Harry. He did have a nice moment with his aunt, Princess Anne. We saw no moments with his own brother, William, or his father. That's not to say it didn't happen, but it didn't happen on camera. And then um, we were told as immediately following the ceremony. He got in a car and he was whisked away. Hmm. And we were told he is likely heading back to a tarmac somewhere and heading back to California. So he was not on the balcony, uh, which would have been a really powerful moment to see King Charles and his two sons. That did not happen. So clearly uh, this is a relationship that is still damaged and will still require a great deal of work for them to get back on, uh, on the right track again.
1: You mentioned, you know, it was about half and half uh, totally supporting the monarchy and half being ambivalent about it. I've kind of said I feel the same way, and I know a lot in Canada do. Um, There's been a lot of discussion about this in the past little while. Did anything about this week address that? Do you think Charles has acknowledged or understands the the difficult job that is facing the modern monarchy if it's going to continue to be relevant?
2: Oh, I would say a hundred percent. From the from the royal journalists' correspondence that I've talked to, they've changed things on the fly. When they realize that it is not popular with the public, and he is already not popular, mm-hmm. so you know historically it would have been the order in the service today to the, the homage to to the people from the people to the pope in the service. They they changed the wording almost at the last minute in that homage, um, rather than an order in the draft of the text, it became an invitation then to support the king. And little things like that, they're very aware of reputation and the popularity polls, all of those things. And I think it matters deeply, especially because his mother was such an asset to the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And I should think under his reign, he would hate to see that fall apart. Although more countries actually want to join the Commonwealth, it's just not necessarily realm nations of which Canada is one. Even Jamaica this week is still talking about uh, having a referendum so that they can discontinue the constitutional monarchy in that country as Barbados did.
1: I know that you, like everybody else in London, as you mentioned, uh, are wet and uh, probably tired (laughs) from being up since uh, God knows when, Canada time at least. So I will let you go in a minute, but I want to ask you, you know, you've covered basically everything uh, in your career. This is something nobody uh, has really covered in many, many years. What will stay with you from this week? What will you think back on, uh, you know, in, in retirement 10 years later? (laughs) you know what always stays with
2: me, and it is different every time, especially this, a coronation. My own mother in 1953, who was a Londoner, slept out on that curb the night before Queen Elizabeth's coronation. And I have heard that story my entire life. And this week I saw people doing exactly the same thing, camping out on the mall in order to get a glimpse of something that is a rare spectacle in human history. And that is something. For me, there was a sense of closure here to see after covering Queen Elizabeth for decades covering her funeral in September. Now we see the new monarch, her son. And, uh, you know, as they say here, and we've heard it (laughs) chanted across the streets of London and by millions of people, long may he reign. And at 74, certainly he will not have the future his mother did. But Mm -hmm. it was a very monumentous event. And I was really honored to be here and have that chance to see history unfold.
1: Whether you support it or not, it's always interesting to be in the middle of a textbook, right?
2: It sure is. That's a great way to put it, Jordan. <laughs> and I have some cool pictures to prove it.
1: Lisa, thank you so much for this. Go get dry. And uh, I guess what a week for you.
2: It has been. Thank you, Jordan. It's true. I need a hot cup of tea. So thank you so much. Great to talk to you.
1: Lisa Flemme covering the Coronation for City News. That was The Big Story. I hope you enjoyed this one. We wanted to give you a little taste of what it might have been like in London. You can find more at thebigstorypodcast.ca. As always, you can find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn or write us an email, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk on Monday. A new seven-part series from CBC Podcasts, available now.